When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Bart and Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. Joined by a very special guest, and that is Dan Graziano. You see him all over the NFL uh, ESPN platforms. So, Dan, welcome in. Happy holidays to you and yours. Thanks for spending some time with us today. My pleasure. How you doing? Thanks for continuing to spend time with me today, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, it's amazing. I spent two hours with Bart this morning, and it wasn't enough. I need more Bart in my life. I'm, I'm like Obviously. I, grow, I grow in you. I'm like a bad algae that you can't get rid of. Stop. We all, we all need a little bit more, more Bart Scott in our life. All right, Dan, let's dive right into it. Obviously, the big news, and, and from what I, I, I understand from Bart, you guys have already spent a lot of time talking about Russell Wilson. Um, let, let's go one step further because we've been talking about, you know, we know he's not going to play. It's going to be Jared Stidham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the majority of people that we talked to, we had Mike Tannenbaum on the show yesterday. You know, when I go online, I'm, I'm reading all these, all right, what, what can be a realistic landing place for Russell Wilson? And many people have the giants in their top three. Explain that to me. I don't know. I mean, they, they have 30 million committed to Daniel Jones next year. Like I'm not, I, I don't think that works. Um, exactly. The thing about Russell, the thing about Russell, though, like he's got the thirty-nine million coming from Denver, no matter what, right? So, like his next stop is going to be interesting from his perspective. The, the contract has offset language, so any money he signs for with any other team, the, the Broncos get back. So the only way he makes more than thirty-nine million next year is if someone signs him for forty, right? So. Uh, or 40 or more. Right. Uh, so I don't know what his incentive will be to go somewhere else and play, um, you know, effectively for free. So if, if he just wants to play and he wants to get out there and he wants to sign for the minimum somewhere, um, then sure, a team like the Giants, who's already on the hook for that kind of money, could take that on. Um, you know, a team like the Saints, who's on the hook for big money for Derek Carr next year. So, uh, but I, I don't know, because I don't know what Russell Wilson's going to want to do uh, next year, whether he's going to want to go somewhere where there's another quarterback in place, you know, whether he's going to want to go somewhere where he's the unquestioned starter, whether he's going to require you to sign him for the 2025 season, you know, so he can get a little extra money out of the deal. So um, th- without knowing his mind on his future plans, it's hard to say. But, you know, if you were the Giants, if you were the Saints, that big money you have committed to those quarterbacks and Daniel Jones and Derek Carr next year, you could work around it if you did a deal with Russell Wilson that waited to really pay him significant money till 2025. Uh, but do you want to do that? Like you're bringing in a 35, 36 year old player right. hasn't been very good the last couple of years. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm interested because I think when we look at around the league and we look about how important it is to have a quality backup, in case your starter goes down. And I don't know if Russell Wilson can see himself sitting behind somebody in hopes that the opportunity would come at some point. I feel like almost yeah. every team in the NFL has had has faced that scenario where their starter has gone down, maybe not um, permanently, 
but for short stints and periods of time, it's almost like you have to, you know, have that, and that market is going to be bigger. But where would Russell Wilson kind of fit in that free agent type of world when it's younger options we anticipate is going to be full of Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. You think that it's going to be full of potentially Justin Fields. Like it's going to be young options out there uh, and also older ones when you think about um, Ryan Tannehill and things of that sort. Does it come about what – like I guess what I'm asking is where does Russell Wilson fit in that free agent world? And what type of offense or what type of place fits his skill set? Because it doesn't seem like his skill set did not fit with uh, Sean Payton. Yeah, I think um, it's going to have to be a specific kind of team, right? Like somebody on the show this morning brought up uh, the Steelers. And that's, you know, are they not sure about Kenny Pickett? They have a ready-made, you know, probably championship caliber defense. They have talented wide receivers. They have good running backs. The offensive line seems sounds to be like the Denver Broncos. So, <laughs> sounds like the that? Denver Sounds like the Denver Broncos exactly. when you talk about Sutton, Judy, and all those guys. Sounds like the same right. situation. So so right, but you know, Denver Broncos coach is Sean Payton and when Payton went there, some of the concerns about him and Russell Wilson were is Russell a good progression read quarterback? Is he going to play within structure the way Payton will require him to? And the answer, like, they scaled it way down. And as a result, Russell's played sort of mistake-free, game manager type football. But, you know, for, for whatever, $35, $40 million, you expect more. So uh, if he goes somewhere where the offense and the coordinator are more willing to kind of scheme around his strengths, to kind of let him, you know, freelance a little bit, then maybe that makes some sense. But that's dangerous, too, because that hadn't worked, you know, it didn't work last year in Denver, and it didn't work – toward the end in Seattle as well as it used to. So I think it's a very difficult situation to forecast, not knowing what he will want and really not knowing, not seeing an obvious fit for a player who two years ago would have been seen as a slam dunk starter uh, and maybe a high-end one, but now will not be seen that way, I don't think, by most teams. Again, Dan Graziano joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. It will be interesting to see how this does all play out. Uh, we've got a game tonight, and that is the Jets going up against the Cleveland Browns. And uh, and Joe Flacco, <laughs> boy, uh, this is going to yeah, be a fun the, one. <laughs> the third yeah. Joe Cool. The yeah, modern-day right? Joe Cool, not that Joe Burrow kid that they talk about. This is the original Joe Cool or the second your, Joe Cool. Right. Your, your, thoughts, your thoughts on how you think this game is going to play out tonight, Dan? I think that um, the Jets' defense will rebound a little bit from, like, you know, they've been a little leaky in the second half, uh, or certainly were on on, uh, on uh, Sunday against Washington. I, so I think they'll they'll stiffen up a little bit here. I just think, I mean, I'm a little concerned about this Amari Cooper heel situation. Um, you know, he's got he's banged up, and I think there's some question about whether he's going to play for Cleveland tonight. If he doesn't, I think that obviously. Uh, will help the Jets' defense and, and hurt the Browns' offense ability to generate big plays because obviously we've seen what Amari Cooper's been doing. Uh, the Browns still have something to play for, plenty to play for. They can actually still mathematically get the number one seed uh, in the AFC if certain things happen, Miami beats Baltimore, et cetera. So they should be motivated. Um, their defense is a monster as well. I would think it's probably a low-scoring game. Hmm. 
Did you hear that part? No. Low scoring tonight. Low scoring tonight. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're, you're playing right into um, you know the prop bets and all that good stuff that Anita also <laughs> always blesses. You know when you, when when Anita hosts a show, you you also get bonus <laughs> if you want to put some cheese on your taco. Just listen closely and there go out go. and get her done. There you go. Uh, as uh, as for the Giants, uh, they're going back to Tyrod Taylor. Bart and I were talking about it. Like you already know what time it is with Tyrod Taylor. I'm being told that Brian Dable wants to win. You know, you, you've covered this league for a long time, Dan. You've got your finger on the pulse of all these coaches, general managers. Does it ever surprise you that they, came, they care more about the winning culture within the organization than they do their draft pick at the end of the season? No. I mean, they're all competitors. Like, I, I don't think, I mean, if you're Brian Dayball, like you're spending your week trying to get your team ready to beat um, the Rams. Right? Like, are you supposed to sit back in your office and go, how can I make sure we lose so that we, our draft pick gets better? I, I just don't see it. I mean, it's, it's fine for us uh, to talk about, but I, I don't – my time spent around these teams, these coaches, these players, I've never had, had anybody indicate to me that they're like, oh, I hope we don't win so our draft pick gets better. I mean, you don't – if you can get the one pick, that's one thing. Everything else feels like a crapshoot, right? Like, if you – you, you, you're just as liable to whiff on the third pick as you are on the eighth pick. So, uh, no, I, I don't. It does not surprise me. I believe that 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 they're they feel like they're paid to win games, that they're naturally competitive, uh, and that that's what they're trying to do. Now, big picture, front office, the ownership, organization. Is there any sense among those folks of like, well, if we lose, at least the draft pick gets better? Maybe, but in terms of the the coaches and the players who are getting ready to actually play the game. No, I, I mean, this is – if you're Brian Dayball, Sunday's game goes on your record. Like, you don't you're – not, you're not trying to lose just so you can get a better pick. But, that, but that's where I get confused on where the general managers don't step in because they got to be able to see the forest through the trees. I mean, just imagine in a world where the Jets well, don't win that meaning, meaningless game that they won before. We wouldn't be talking about Zach Wilson because we would have had Trevor Lawrence mm -hmm. and all things would have been right. fine in his world. And we would have forgot that they right. lost that game. We'd have been living in a world where the Jets are perennial right. uh, contenders. I just want to see winning football. Right, it's been 2010, it Graza. But think about it the other way, right? Like, end of last year, the Houston Texans win a game um, that, you know, knocked them out of the one pick and into the two. If they were at the one, they might have picked Bryce Young. And, and instead they get Stroud, who looks like he may turn out to be the better player, right? Like, it, it's the draft. Like, it's not – you can't be sure of anything. So, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I, I mean, look, I, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I mean, I, 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 think, I think Denver is maybe doing something to get a better draft. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that, it does happen from time to time in terms of those – uh, those kinds of decisions, but uh, I think it's rare, and I think it's, it's unusual, if not unheard of, to, to hear the you know to, to think the head coach or any of the coaches or any of the players would be out there going, I really don't think we should put our best on the field this week because I, I, it's better if we lose for the for the organization. I just I don't see it. Now another big topic that we were talking about on there was, of course, always the Dallas Cowboys, and also always the. Um, you know, the Miami Dolphins, in your opinion, like you, you talked about last week when they were playing each other, who was more important to, who do you think is more pivotal to this week uh, when you consider that both have, you know, maybe playoff previews? I think um, Dallas 
I mean, I think it's a big week for Dallas because obviously they've been dominant at home, and um, if they're dominant again against uh, Detroit, then they're still in the mix. Let's say the Eagles slip up. The Eagles are not playing fantastic, right? Like it could could a Jonathan Gannon coached Arizona Cardinals team come in and steal a game from the Eagles? You know, a team he was the defensive coordinator for this time last year. Yes, they could. I'm not saying I'm going to pick it, but it wouldn't be like you know the the most shocking thing that ever happened. And then they got to play the Giants again, who they didn't exactly crush, and it's a division rival. And you know, it's playing them twice in three weeks. So if you're the Cowboys, you're not giving up on the NFC East yet, because if the Eagles slip up and you win both your games, then you're you're, you're division champs. Uh, so I think it's a big game for the Cowboys, having lost two in a row. They do not want to be on a losing streak at this time of year. They need to not only win, but I think they need to win convincingly um, tomorrow night. As for the Dolphins, the stakes, I mean, they, if they win, they're on track for the one seed in the AFC. And I know from having covered a couple of their games this year and talking to their players, they are very interested in the idea of teams having to come to South Florida to play playoff games in January. They, they like that idea, and uh, they believe it would give them a significant advantage uh, and help position them to get back to the Super Bowl for the first time in Geez, well, how many years since the minus Dolphins two divided by pi? Yeah, a long right. time. <laughs> so, yeah, a long time. So I mean, massive games for both teams, and and also like when you just look at, you know, both those teams are going to the playoffs this week. They're playing the kinds of teams they're going to have to beat once they get there, and so I think it's a nice thing to be able to measure yourself up in week seventeen uh, and see where you stand against those kinds of teams. Dan Graziano joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Dan, before we let you go, uh, let's talk about some of the teams that, you know, if they do make it into the postseason, uh, they're teams that people just don't want to play, right? Like, like I'm looking yeah. at, I, I know Bart really is, is high on this Rams team. I do believe they make it into the postseason, whether it's the six or seven seed in the NFC. For me, it's the Tampa Bay Bucks. They're hosting the New Orleans Saints this week. I think they win. Um, I think they get in. I think they host the first round and very well could host the first round against Dallas. Dallas on the road has not been good. I would not be shocked if the Tampa Bay Bucks beat the Dallas Cowboys round one of wild card weekend. Um, agree with those two teams, or maybe there's a team that we're sleeping on no, that you I, feel uh, could that you feel is is could be a quite frightening team in the postseason. Yeah, I agree with the logic on both teams. The Rams' offense is as good as just about anybody's right now. I think their defense is still young and inexperienced and can be had, but the way Stafford's playing, you know, they could win shootouts. And so I do think they're dangerous. You have Stafford and Cup and Aaron Donald. I mean, there's still a little bit of a core there left of a team that won the Super Bowl just two years ago. So uh, I don't think anybody's going to be thrilled to see them. Tampa's interesting. I think they're playing a lot better than people may realize because uh, they're only 8-7, and seven, but they were red hot to start the season, and they've been I think they won four in a row. So uh, Baker Mayfield's pretty locked in. Those receivers are hard to cover, uh, and, they, and they make a play or two on defense from time to time. Uh, so, yeah, I think they'll be – it won't be like Dallas going into Tampa in the first round of the playoffs last year um, to face, you know, that depleted offense with, at the tail end of Tom Brady's career, et cetera. So it would be a tougher game for them. I agree with that. And what do you guys think about Buffalo, though? Like – like they're they're, they're hanging out here now in the sixth seed. If that, there's that, if Miami loses this week and Buffalo wins, Buffalo can still win the AFC East. And all of a sudden, <laughs> we're like, wait a minute, this was supposed to be a good playoff team, and and we kind of forgot about them for a while. Uh, I I think that's an interesting one. 
Yeah, I wonder how that affects seeding. I don't know what, what where they go from if they win it. Would they have to play Miami and like running it back if Miami drops all the way to the fifth seed? You know what I mean? And it just flips Miami who, who's hosting. Uh, Miami would be eleven and six, and Buffalo would be eleven and six. Miami eleven and six would be the well, either they or Cleveland would the be fifth the, the fifth seed. So yeah, it could be that they would play Miami again right away, uh, which would be, but it would be in Buffalo in that <laughs> right, which makes a significant difference. Yeah. But last year, you know, Sean McVay almost went up there and they ran the ball down the throat of the uh, of the Buffalo Bills. And oddly enough, we talk about the physicality of the um, Dolphins probably being the key when it comes to having success in the um, in the um, postseason. So amazing stuff, man. Both yeah. teams now are maybe want to adopt that. You know, James Cook is playing better than as, as good as anybody. And I was very skeptical when it came to Joe Brady, you know, after what he did with Carolina. Yeah. But maybe it was a Matt Rule thing and not his inability to be a great um, play caller. Or maybe, you know, sometimes guys are – are better in one stop than they were in the last stop because they learned something. So, I mean, good for Joe Brady because he seems to have uh, helped put things together here uh, on the fly in the middle of the season that looked like it might be about to go off the rails. Yeah, that is true because I am much better now that I've worked with you, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much. Uh, I stunk right. in my last spot. Thank now I just stink a little bit. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> Dan Graziano joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, let's take a look around the NFL uh, and open up the phone lines as well. 800-919-3776. Jets fans, what would you like to see happen? We just had the conversation when we opened up the show. We just had the conversation with Dan Graziano. Are Bart and I crazy to think that, you know, bigger picture here, that it would be more advantageous for this Jets team to have a top five draft pick uh, than outside of the, 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 the top ten? If they do put their best foot and and let's uh, let's explain something. No coach is walking into a locker room and telling players to lose. Okay, that's not what Bart and I are talking about. What we're talking about is something similar to what the Denver Broncos are doing right now, <laughs> right? I mean, we want you know, a spark, so we put in Jared Stidham. What? Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's the spark sure. you're looking for. Yeah, that's exactly. You know, certain guys go on IR. Certain guys aren't active and attractive oh, uh, at, at, hmm. at game time, right? Like, there, there's, there's nuances. There's ways that teams uh, not necessarily tell their players, hey, we got to lose, but don't necessarily put their full foot forward, and that being their best foot. So 800-919-3776. We'll dive into that. We'll take a look around the NFL uh, not only do we have a game tonight, but we've got a game on Saturday, Bart. Detroit going up against the Dallas Cowboys. Can't wait. Again, I've I've been playing around with that NFL um, playoff prediction machine. So I want to share with you what some games are going to mean for other teams and uh, and who certain uh, groups are, you know, who you got to cheer for if you're a Cowboys fan, if you're an Eagles fan. So we'll do that coming your way this hour right here on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Bart, we got some calls. Let's get to them. Uh, Let's go to uh, Andy in the Bronx. Andy, welcome in. Yeah, hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'm a I'm a Giants fan, and what um, what I have to say I think applies to any any team that's having a bad season. My Giants have been somewhere between mediocre and crummy all season, and I never bought into the oh maybe they're making a run at the playoffs. But I'm also sick of eight weeks of should they tank, shouldn't they tank? To me, it is the wrong question. To me, the issue is how do you make the team better? Those coaches and coaching staff, the most important thing they can do is teach. Most of the players on this team are going to be back next year. So the objective has to be make Deontay Banks a better player, make Schmitz a better center, make Hyatt better able to get off the line of scrimmage, and on and on. Make them better players. And if they improve, and in the course of improving, they win some games, so be it. But what the objective has to be, and I as a fan, what I as a fan want to see, is these guys become better players over the course of the rest of the season. And I felt that way the last eight weeks. Yeah, you only Andy, get that appreciate the call. Uh, Bart. You only get that in my opinion. Give, let, let, the, let, let, let the folks, give the folks a percentage of coaches in the NFL that still teach. 
uh, probably about 20%. Maybe Andy Reid, some go. of the other guys, Brian Thank Flores, you. guys that come from the old school. These Thank guys you. don't have enough practice time. So that's the problem. That's why the, the, the they quality don't of the game is so Andy. bad. Yeah, that's why the quality of the, of the, of the game is so bad. They're not even keep teaching in college. Nope. In college, these guys mm-hmm. are in the transfer portal so fast that you don't even have an opportunity. You have to be a ready-made product even to be in the league because in, in college because you're you on this transfer portal. You're learning all these different systems. Nobody can work the basics, the details, right? They got to go straight to the smooth stuff. You can work the details when you already work the good stuff. You can go back and say, all right, we're going back to the basics. Let's work on footwork, something as simple as footwork. Taking your your lead leg, understanding which hand to post with if you're a, a, a corner, uh, understanding you know how to hold your punch and, and kick slide if you're a um, if you're an offensive tackle, learning how to pass games. So they can't work on their individual stuff, let alone work on passing stuff as a group in a unit. That's why when some people get hurt and they have to you know put plug somebody else in, you talk about going from your starter to your backup. It's like night and day. It's like this dude don't know nothing, and I don't got the time to teach him. It's like when basketball's mm-hmm. in season and you hear all the coaches talk about, you know, today they had a traditional practice. They had like one or two of those, right, in, in the NBA because you're always on, the, on a back-to-back. You always have to travel. So it's hard to get to the nitty-gritty. So the same thing like that, but just on steroids, when you talk about football, you talk about trying to get teams better and develop them. You know, you can't have it because first thing happens is these player reps go run into NFL. So they practice this longer. I had mm-hmm. to work overtime. Take a draft pick. They're abusing us. Oh, my God. It's so hard to make $20 million a year. And now I, I got to sit up here and I have to do extra practice work. No. Like, they, 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 they missed out on that because they wanted better quality of life because it was one or two habitual line steppers in the league. We all know who they were. Dave Weinstead was one of them that, that worked you like you Kunta Kente or Django Unchained and, train, and, <laughs> and don't let you leave and, and just practice you to death. But outside of that, I mean, you don't even do two-a-days really anymore. Like I mean, like not only how, that, how, you don't soft, do live how, anymore. Right, you don't do so, live anymore, yeah, Bart. They're, they're, they're tackling, tackling robots. They're tackling robots and, and, and big donuts. So, and so, so when somebody so Andy, actually come to, yeah, when you got to go tackle somebody that can actually hit back, it's like it's like it's like it's like the Bruce Lee movie. Boards don't hit back. What well, if tackling dummies don't give you resistance? So, so Andy, to answer your question, and this might surprise some folks out there, number one, because of the new collective bargaining agreement, there's no time to teach. What you're doing is you're implementing the game plan for that week. And sometimes you're implementing the game plan for that week and the following week because maybe you play on Thursday. So, so there's that uh, because the new collective bargaining agreement, and God forbid, you know, Bart's right, God forbid a, a team keeps a player on the practice field more than a minute than, 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 than allowed, they call the NFLPA and the NFLPA gets involved and now a team's going to get fined or lose a draft pick. So A, there's that. And then B, Bart, there's coaches who don't want to teach. They're like, these guys, they, they, you know, they should have learned everything that they did in college. This isn't the time to teach. And I disagree with that. But there the are a lot of NFL coaches, Bart, that don't like to teach. I was a D1AA. I don't want to. I was a D1AA guy. I, I, I played underneath three or four different defensive coordinators. When I came to the Ravens, I was talented, but I was raw because I had never stayed in one position for more than a year, and I was always being coached by different people that had different techniques and different philosophies and different beliefs. The Baltimore Ravens had teachers, right? When, you, not, uh, when, you, when I think about – you know, uh, Jeff Fitzgerald and what he was a teacher. We worked the fundamentals and the basis. And when I got to year three, I was ready to be a starter and a major, major contributor to that defense and got her done. Yeah, but not all, not, you know, and, and 
Again, not all teams are the Baltimore Ravens. I think you put the right percentage out there. You're talking about 20% of the coaches in the NFL coach, quote unquote. Um, you know, and and on top of that, a lot of what happens is a head coach might get a starting, might get a, a head coaching job, but then he has to be really quick to go out there and to formulate his staff. And and they, they want to hire guys that 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 like to coach who they could bring in and feel that they could put together a real good staff. But here's what the key is. You've got to be an ownership group who hires a coach real fast because the coaches out there know, not for long, baby, and they want to align themselves as quickly as possible uh, with, with a coach who just got hired because they know it just bought them another two to three years of getting a paycheck. So there, there's, there's a lot of intricacies that go behind this. Uh, let's go to Bobby really quick. Uh, Bobby, got to make it quick because we've got audio files coming your way. What you got for us? Sorry about that. You, do you hear me? We got you. Yeah. <laughs> Bart, I think you're a breath of fresh air in, in the radio business. No shade on Allen. And either you bring a whole nother flavor. But, you know, the whole thing with Adam Gase and the two games that the Jets should have tanked and they would have had Trevor Lawrence. Yep. I mean, you know, New York teams in general, the Giants and the Jets, you don't have an offensive line, you got nothing. Uh, you, you know, can this kid Wilson play? If he had an, uh, an offensive line, probably for sure. But, you know, uh, it, you got to draft an offensive line. A game is one in the trenches, and that's what they need to do. Well, offensive linemen buy you time to, to make sure that you're, you know, complete, right? Like what happens when you talk about guys like Zach Wilson, right, and why it looks so much different when Mike White and Joe Flacco is in there, the ball comes out on time, and it seems like, well, isn't these the same plays that we were calling for Zach Wilson? Yes, but he's not able to read it because he doesn't have the experience. So when mm-hmm. you have a veteran offensive line, like when we had Mark Sanchez, because the line was so good, he has the extra second to process. What happens is if you keep getting hit in the back of the head, you start getting this eternal clock where you start seeing pressure and feeling pressure or seeing ghosts, right? We heard that before in this market, right? When, when, when the offensive line – isn't able to, to give you that, buy you that extra second. So that's what, you know, Zach Wilson dealt with. That's what Sam Darnold dealt with. It's something that the one rookie quarterback that came here and had success didn't have to deal with. And that's why he took you two consecutive AFC championships. Bobby, thanks for the phone call. Yeah. Really do appreciate it. Bart, uh, we've done enough of the talking. All the talking. All the talking. I'm tired of talking. Okay. It's now time for uh, audio files. For uh, the newsmakers let's... to do the talking in a segment, I think we call Anita. What do we call it? Oh, that's a lot of halitosis. That's what I'm talking about. You got to put some stank on the mic. <laughs> by the way, brought to you by All American Sports. The audio file. We got Jacob and Chantel who are producing the show today. Chantezy. Uh, so- Hello. She don't text me a couple days to lock in the name. I'm so sorry. There you go. Jacob, what you got for us? Hey, what's going on, guys? So we have a ton of stories to cover. Uh, where do you want to go, basketball, local, or football? I'm scared Bart to go show, basketball. I'm scared decide. to go basketball because last time you hurt my feelings and want to you know, go full circle and pick scabs about the Pistons. So let's go, let's go uh, football all for right. 100, Bob. All right. I mean, we've been talking about Sean Payton and Russell Wilson all day. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should start there. Uh, let's react. Sean Payton broke his uh, silence yesterday about the mention of Russell Wilson. And uh, it, even though it sounds like he threw him under the bus and he's been th- thrown under the bus completely all season because he hasn't performed that well, but it hasn't been that terrible, let's hear uh, from Sean Payton on why uh, he benched Russell Wilson. I understand all the, the speculation and everything that surrounds a move like that. And I can tell you we're desperately trying to win. 
And sure, in our in our game today, there are economics and all those other things. But the number one push behind this, and and it's a decision I'm making, is to, you know, get a spark offensively. So I need a, <laughs> I need a Bart. If you're trying to win, mm-hmm. why bench your QB one for Jared Stidham? Even though Jared Stidham did it last year with Derek Carr, why are you doing that? Because you need a scapegoating. We all understand the um, $39 million elephant in the room. We understand because if, 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 if Russell Wilson pulls that Ezel, oh, my neck, oh, my back, my neck and my back, you can't prove that. You got to give him that money, right? So, listen, they're, they're protecting themselves, and they're they doing it you know, smartly because they would have waited to the end of the season. Maybe this was the week that Russell goes down and, and, and plays that falling down the stairs stuff like coming to America where he tries to say, oh, I hurt myself in practice or something like that. So they call themselves – we've seen this before, right? And it's been reports that um, in the previous weeks that they asked him to kind of write that out of his contract. Why would anybody that fought for that in negotiations give it up so quickly? Um, listen, this was failed to doom, this was doomed to fail from the start. Jared Stidham, you can't even say that with a straight face that Jared Stidham gives you a greater chance to win than Russell Wilson. It wasn't Russell Wilson – who was giving up the 70 burger. It wasn't Russell Wilson who couldn't figure out how to stop teams and get off the field. And yet he's getting blamed because this team is right there with an opportunity to get to the playoffs and you're benching your star quarterback. You basically punted on this season and trying to make uh, not compound a uh, issue and, you know, doubling down on Russell Wilson. I get that, but listen, don't act like we foolish when you go about it. Yeah. You understand what we're saying, but then you don't understand why we outraged. Uh, Sean Payton. What do you think about Russ being thrown under the bus? I get that. And, and yet, I can't replace the entire offensive line. I can't bring in five new receivers. And if it continues over a period of time, then there'll be another guy here talking to you as well. I can just assure you one thing. I'm just interested in winning. Yeah. Winning is the only thing on Sean Payton's mind. Yeah. Hey, I, I will say, I, I, again, again I, I will say this, Bart. I, I did like Stidham coming out. Um you know, again, I think we're seeing a track record here of the Patriots not doing right by quarterbacks. I, I do believe that Sean Payton is an excellent offensive-minded coach. You know, maybe he has worked with Stidham, um, you know, come, all come, season long. Come. And now he has two – now he has two – I'm just I'm just throwing the narrative out here. I'm just – I don't I – don't, I can't say that I have a, a lot of conviction for this, but – you know, maybe maybe he does, and maybe he feels that he's got two games left, and he wants to see what Stidham can do in those two games before he has to make a decision on on how this team is going to move forward in the draft and free agency. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing t- it. Out how, there. Many, how many times do we give grace to a quarterback? Well, when this is difficult, he's he's learning two systems in two years, and blah 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 and blah blah blah. You're in a playoff run. You know what I'm saying? You won five straight. And it was because of Russell and because your defense improved. And now you want to blame him as, you know, um, you know, uh, number one, the, the number one reason why you're not winning. No, it, it, Jerry Judy hasn't done what he, we expect him to do. Sutton has played better. But, you know, you, you've had an offensive line that has been healthy the entire year. They're one of the very few offensive lines that have been healthy the entire year. So it's on you. And sometimes the game can pass you by and it doesn't take all the time. Listen, he, he, he. He set he set the New Orleans franchise on fire when he when he left. I mean, he left them in a, in a horrible you know salary cap situation, being what seventy million dollars over the cap, and that, that that's gonna come to that credit card bill is gonna come to, to be uh, paid this year as well. You know what I mean, coming up in this year's off season. So, listen, we'll like I said, the the jury's gonna be out on on Sean Payton, and we'll see what and who he is if he can have a second act 
you know, the likes of Dick Vermeil, uh, Pete Carroll, and all the other guys that was able, you know, uh, Joe Gibbs that was able to walk away, come back, and still, you know, find success. Okay, so from we discussed this towards the end of the show yesterday, Jair Alexander, the coin toss. What was he even thinking about? He wasn't in his right mind. Can't get right. Oh, Lisa, we don't think he was in his right mind. I mean, we reacted to to, to it yesterday. Let's react to it again. So were you supposed to be a captain? Because the team announces the three-game captains, and you were the fourth, and you called a toss. What happened there? Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's only suiting. You know, I don't think Coach knew I was from Charlotte, you know, so. So you just did that on your own? I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it was like a, you know, the guys backed me up, you know, so they, they knew I was from here. Did you realize you almost made a big mistake on the call, though? What'd I do? Well, you said we want to go on defense. Yeah. Which, in theory, could they could have said, then you're electing to uh, kick off, which you would have lost the opportunity then yeah. to receive in the second half. Yeah, no, I told them that, uh, I said, uh, I want I want our defense to be out there. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I mean, it's pretty simple what I said. Like, I want the defense to be out there. They're like, you mean defer? I'm like, yeah, I guess. Well, <laughs> shouldn't you know what you mean? They shouldn't have to tell you what you mean. Well, if coach well did. the coach didn't even know he was going to be out there. Which, by the way, did, did do you have the soundbite from um, Lafleur? Oh yeah, we're going to set it up. If the coach. Okay, did, good. Sorry, the, sorry, didn't mean to uh, you know disrupt your groove there, Jacob. Oh, I apologize. Oh, good. I mean, if coach didn't know he's from Charlotte before, he knows now. So let's hear from Matt Lafleur on why uh, he suspended Jair Alexander. Certainly. Uh, it was a tough decision, you know, especially, you know, kind of where we're at right now and, you know, one we don't take lightly, but there's standards that are, we're all held accountable for. And when they're not met, unfortunately, sometimes you got to take some drastic measures. <laughs> this is crazy, man. Zaire Alexander is one of their best players, right? And the good thing for him that, that he's only making a million dollar base salary because everything else is put up in signing, uh, you know, six million dollars at signing this year. He's a, a roster bonus, six hundred thousand. A workout bonus, seven hundred thousand. A restructured fee of uh, two million dollars, and a cap hit of ten million dollars. So, odds are that this pro- this this uh, hiccup is probably only going to cost him about fifty million, fifty thousand dollars, probably, if he's getting paid on his base salary and not all the other incentives and bonuses that kicks in. You know, because you know when you don't play. And it's discipline-wise, it's a suspension. You don't get that check. And we all want that check. Oh, yeah, we definitely do. I mean, and in the cut that you didn't hear, uh, Matt LaFleur said it had nothing to do with the incident. Yeah, which, so, oh, so he's been acting out. Which, I mean, he's saying that, but the GM is saying that a different story. I mean, it's, it's something so, going so, so, on. So, so this is what that means. Zaire Alexander been acting waka flocka, but, you know, you have to get so many um, – you know, uh, write up, so to speak, before they can actually suspend you and cost you money. And so they've been probably trying to get him because he sounds like he's a free spirit. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Sounds like he's a free spirit and maybe he's going around. He's their best, in my opinion, best defensive player that they have on their team. He's one of the most talented cornerbacks in all of football. And he's at the ripe age of 26. So he's just getting started, not even hitting his prime. You know, he's on a four year, $84 million extension. He is the truth, but you you got to try and have standards. You can't let people run wild. And it sounds like now that Uncle Aaron is gone, people are trying to you know you know break the rules of what goes on in that in those uh, walls because everybody looks like they're trying to search for power to be the next guy. Uh, well, I mean, 
that's a what do you feel like guys you feel like talking about cam newton and debo or travis kelsey and jim harborough huh Let's go Travis Kelsey and Jim Harbaugh because we, we, we kind of know what the Cam Newton yeah, that's, you know, stuff is. I mean, And the back, back and forth, forth on social yeah, media is not yeah, a good thing. It. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's let's start with Jim Harbaugh because I think that's the more interesting one. Uh, he responds to his uh, r- rumors about him coaching not only in the NFL but for the Chargers. Now, he has a Rose Bowl coming up on Monday after on the new year against Alabama, his number yep. one undefeated Wolverines. Go against the Crimson Tide. Harbaugh, what do you think about uh, coaching in the NFL? Yeah, it's just a very one-track mind about this game. Right now, just have fun with the family and the, and the, and the team and the players. It's like we're at the happiest place on earth, <laughs> and we're going to enjoy ourselves and then get back to business. You know, see if we can't dominate the day. Got some, some good meetings tonight, and, and we wake up tomorrow and, and, uh, and practice. See if we can't dominate that day. I mean, this is a this is like straight out of the Jackie Harbaugh playbook. One day at a time, one play at a time, and uh, that's how we're approaching each day. Yeah, Jackie Harbaugh would be his father, who you know came and talked to the team a couple of times, but was also an adversary of mine, being uh, the head coach, longtime head coach um, in college, but also you know his last stops was on uh, Western Kentucky. I, I think he probably coached. He hate me too, Rod Smart, but. You know, they, they're a coaching family. They're not going to be, you know, buy into, you know, narratives and things that's going to distract, even though he can be a distraction, but it's at his choosing, not at yours. And, um, you know, he could be a good coach if he gets in. We know what his record is, him and his brother is. I can't think I'll be hard-pressed to find a greater coaching duel of, of siblings ever in the history of football when you consider what John is able to do for the last 16 years and what Jim has done in and out of the um, professional ranks. Here, but you, you and I have had this discussion before. I, I think it takes a, a real special individual mm-hmm. who has so much power in college football that we see a number of these guys do. Um, Harbs does. Um, uh, Nick Alabama. Saban. Nick, yeah, Saban, Nick Saban. Right? Like, right. And, and they go to the pros and they can't coach with the same style that they coach well, these young 17, 18, 19-year-old well, boys with. Well, I only say that because we've seen Jim Harbaugh coach well at the, at the professional the level. The 49ers? This yeah, this, 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 not, this isn't a guy who's coming and coaching in the league for the first time. This isn't, this isn't um, um, Aaron Myers who don't know. And, and the fact that Harbaugh is front and center with the modern-day athlete is not like a guy that stepped away from the game, come back and like, hey, who's these kids on all these – those smart devices and stuff like that and with their, you know, Instagram and, and snap face and all that stuff, you know what I mean, to quote the great Bill Belichick. <laughs> snap face, Insta chat. <laughs> well, uh, let's uh, wrap it up for the NFL. Just right quick move to the NBA. Uh, both our local teams were in action. Nets. Oh, man. Shootout. It was a shootout, but they did something that uh, – did not have a lot of their fans, including well, I'm not a fan, but including me because I had money on the game. Very happy. <laughs> they pulled their starters out after one quarter and essentially put the bench in. Let's hear from uh, Jacques Vaughn on why he did that. You know, it's a great thing about this game is these dudes that play 450 of them, they're special, and it's pretty special to be an NBA player. And I treat them such. I don't agree with garbage time. I've said that to our group. At the end of the game, you continue to play. You compete. That's what you do for a living. This is what I do for a living. I'm not sure I sat down tonight. I coach from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. 
that's what you sign up for. I have too much respect for the dudes that suit up and put their body on the line and the competition level to even mention the word exhibition. Any guy could have ended their career tonight by one play. And so I treat it as such. It is a honor. It is a, a sense of gratitude that you do this for a living. And you never, ever underestimate that. If you do, you'll pay for it. So that was my approach tonight. I coached these dudes as hard as I could tonight because they deserved it. And each dude that stepped on the floor, they deserved to be coached and they deserved to be on the floor tonight. But they deserve to get the time in the minutes that they did. If that's the case, then maybe they some of them should be the starters. I mean, come on, let's yeah. let's not let's keep it real, man. And then my thing, my whole thing with that is they didn't think they can win, so they didn't want to waste their starters and maybe play a back to back. Do they have a back to back tonight or something like that? Do they play again? No, they, they came off the back to back yesterday against the Pistons. Okay, so, well, so that's a back to back to back because that's like a homecoming game. He, he should have played all the backups then because they probably could have beat the Pistons with that and then played the starters and have a more competitive. Pro- out there on the, on the court. But that's what I'm saying. They were at home and they had home court. So a lot of fans who did pay to see certain players did only saw him for a quarter. So yep. did he explain? Did he explain why he pulled them then? He just explained like he he responded to a question saying that he respects these players that he doesn't believe in tanking. But did he explain why he took them off the court then? Essentially, he was trying to preserve them. Uh, he doesn't. He said any guy could have ended their career tonight by one play, and I treat it as such. I mean, a lot of the players on their team are relatively young. They they don't have an older team, so I don't understand on that aspect why you're just pulling guys. Because if that's the case, then you could you could treat life as such. So you could treat every like quarter as such. Like why are we doing that? Yep. Listen, like they, listen, these these uh, coaches with their Jedi mind tricks started with Greg Popovich. And listen, the, the league is trying to legislate it out, but it is what it is. We knew what it was all about. He knew he had zero to no chance in beating the Milwaukee Bucks. So he said, hey, why, why you know, take, take my guy's legs away where we can get a chance to get fresh and we'll play a game that's winnable for us because this one isn't. And that, you, got one, oh. you got one more for us, Jacob? Well, well I was going to uh, just wrap it up here, and that was audio files. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Listen, All right. Well, that I was not enough O's and smooth. Stop it. There we go. Uh, brought to you by All American Ford. Uh, the All American Ford Auto Group is the number one volume Ford Group in the Northeast. Huge locations in Paramus, Hackensack, Old Bridge, and Point Pleasant. Shop allamericanford.net. I do want to continue to talk some NBA. Unfortunately, the Knicks lost last night, but very interesting uh, history in the making tonight is the worst team in the NBA is going to go up against arguably the best team in the NBA. Detroit is in Beantown. They are in Boston. We'll dive into both these. Uh, One, of course, recapping what happened with the Knicks and OKC last night and previewing what's going to happen with Detroit in Boston. Next, here on 98.7 ESPN.